Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm going to be reading through Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. The preface for this is really based on the moment that they're crossing over the Jordan and the instruction that God gave to them. I'm going to talk about this scripture and begin to explain how this wasn't the only crossover that Israel had. And there's a crossover for us. But at every moment that God instructed them and told them that he was going to bring them into something new, there was a barrier that had to be dealt with. And many times God would have to make a way for them. And it's really interesting. So Joshua chapter 3 in the New King James, it says it like this. And then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out the H, the H, oh my God, I always get this. How many of you get this word messed up all the time? Asia. Asia? Acacia. I don't care how many times you tell me it sounds, I'm always going to get it wrong. I struggle with this one word all the time. Grove, the Acacia Grove, and then came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So here they are, they're in Gilgal, more specifically, and they're about to cross over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priest, and the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 200 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. This was new for them. And it's really important to understand that in this progression of coming out of the wilderness into the promised land, it was God's presence, the representation, which was the Ark of the Covenant that preceded them. But they kept a distance and it was very similar to us. How many of you know that God has been to places before you get there? How many of you know, like David said, the Lord prepares a table before you in the presence of his enemies, of your enemies? God will always precede you in every direction he takes you. And as you begin to look closer, the symbolism here of the ark is very important. You have to have a respective distance, but yet enough proximity to follow after God because God is holy. And so he says it like this. And Joshua, in verse 5, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself. In other words, prepare yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord will do wonders among you. If you want to see God do wonders among you, there is a preparation stage. A preparation stage to move that day they were going to see the Jordan dry up not like the Red Sea the Red Sea had parted 
the Jordan would stop the flow upstream and it would dry all the way downstream and they would walk across dry land and they would see the same hand of God that was with Moses in the life of Joshua. This was a new era, a new generation, a new beginning. And Gilgal here at the Jordan is where they circumcised all the new children and everyone there that was fixing to cross over that were under the covenant of God. It was a preparation. How many of you are prepared to cross over into 2024? We're going to be talking about crossing over. And our prayer for you is that whatever you dealt with in 2023 that kept you down, that made you feel like I was in the wilderness and, 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 and the restrictions that were in your life, we pray today that we would grab a hold of a mindset that would cause us to prepare to see God help us cross over into 2024, leaving all those things behind. How many of you are going to leave those things behind? How many of you are going to get ready to move into a new year with a fresh start, with a fresh mindset, and a fresh beginning? If that's the way you feel, can you just lift up your hands and let's pray together and just simply say, Lord Jesus, have your way today. God bless this moment. Bless this word. Bless every person that hears. We ask you for insight, impartation. We ask you, dear God, that you would just impart to us wisdom, understanding, revelation, and let the anointing be in this house. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. 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 Give him one strong hand clap of gratitude and tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you can be seated. In fact, we're going to sit down together. This past couple of Sundays has been more conversational and more of a sit at the table. I want to feel like I'm sitting at your table with you and we're holding a conversation about the future. We're strategizing. We're getting ready to move into, era, into a new era, into a new time. That is all determined by one thing, your mindset your mindset. The moment that you and I decide we are going to change is where change begins. The thoughts begin to get implemented by action. And you're determined that things aren't going to be the same. They have to be different. But what brings that? What brings that into your life? I've heard it said like this. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're ready for change. And then in other cases, someone said this before, when, when it comes to change, nobody likes it. And the only person that likes to change is a baby with a wet diaper. <laughs> there are some people like that. There are some people that like to live in the stage of life of if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. But when God saved you and I, he never wanted us to stay in Egypt. He never wanted us to stay in the wilderness. He wanted us to move into a promise that all of these, when you read the scripture and what we've learned here, the Old Testament is a school map to lead us to Christ. There are lessons, principles, things that were relevant to the new covenant that we need to glean from. 
And when you look at Israel during these stages of their walk with God and God bringing them out, it wasn't until they were tired of Egyptian bondage that God heard their cry. And it wasn't until there was a new generation in the wilderness that God raised up Joshua and got him prepared to bring them over to the promised land. But when they came into their promise, this is where the real challenge began. Now that the promise was fulfilled, it was up to them to steward that. Be good stewards of it. Keep his commandments. Not do away with what Moses brought, what Joshua instructed, but to live them out and walk them out. And we can look at this and we can see the pattern. Everything was done with intention. Everything was done with the mindset of God never wanted them to forget what he had done for them. He warned them even, even in the wilderness and told them, when I bring you into the land of promise, he said, never forget me because of the blessings. And I paraphrase. But when Joshua was at there in, the, in Gilgal and he was at the brink of the Jordan River, he told them specifically, get 12 stones and stack them up and let them become a monument, a memorial. That when the children and your children come later, they'll have a story to tell and say, this is where God brought the 12 tribes and God delivered us out of the wilderness. He even said, because of the ark leading you, and it was at a distance, he said, when you cross over, also put 12 stones in that river as well, as a reminder. These, these things were done and instructed by God so they wouldn't forget. I don't know how many of you have them, but I have landmarks in my life that I can recall and I remember what the Lord has done for me. There are some things that I just can't forget. There are some things that I keep in the file of faith in my mind that I know I reference many times when I'm down, discouraged, disappointed, in case you didn't know, pastors get down, discouraged, disappointed too. We all need encouragement. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that the best encouragement you can have is to remember what the Lord has done. And never forget that if God did it for you back then, he can do it for you again. And never look at someone and say, God's been good to them. I don't know if he can be good to me. If God's good to them, God can be good to you because he loves everybody. The optimism that God has placed within our spirit has been the defining factor of mercy and his grace. God is so merciful. God is so kind. And God wants the best for us. But I want to show you this diagram really quickly that we made and just want to kind of give you a timeline and show you what was needed for them to cross over. 430 years in Egyptian bondage, if you look at the first cross. On this side of the cross, you've got 430 years. Generations had passed. New generations had come up. The thing to consider is, is that they may have had pockets of their community, but they didn't have much freedom because they were slaves. And this means that the culture 
the Egyptian culture was infused into their own lifestyle. The proof of this is when they're in the wilderness and they were hungry, all they kept thinking about was the flesh pots, the meat. Everything that they were benefiting from, although in bondage they ate well. They may have had it hard, but life was still good. And they also had the drinks. They also had lived according to a certain lifestyle. These were pagan worshipers. And I am more than sure, I am more than sure that they worshiped those idols as well. And the reason I know this and we should know this is because at the first moment of their trial, feeling alone and isolated, when Moses went up to the mountain, what's the first thing they did? They reverted back to old idolatry, the golden calf. And they tried to live in both worlds and saying, tomorrow we will worship God, Aaron said, with this calf. Worship the Lord, thinking that the Lord would off accept that offering. You see, they hadn't completely crossed over. They physically crossed over, but mentally they hadn't. Because you can physically be in church go to church, but you're mentally, you're wondering who's going to win the game, what you're going to cook. I mean, am I the only one that's hungry right now? <laughs> or who has done you wrong? I don't know what's in your mind, and quite honestly, I don't want to know. Because you don't want to know what's in my mind. <laughs> but at some point, we have to be all in and cross over. That 40 years in the wilderness of wandering. And when you look back in that time frame of 40 years, after crossing, the only barrier that stopped them from bondage and getting free was the Red Sea in God. Help them cross over. God helped them to cross over. This was a type of baptism. The Red Sea wasn't by coincidence. It was the Red Sea. We have taught you that here over the years, and you understand this was a type of. When they walked through the Red Sea, the Egyptians followed the water, washed them away. The scripture says that they walked through. It was a type of baptism of the clouds of the sky and the water that surrounded them completely remitted. Now they're free. Now they're in the wilderness, but they still have a, a problem. They got an Egyptian mind. They already tasted the Egyptian food, the delicacies, the luxuries, the pleasures, living a lifestyle, and this was their struggle. If there was anything in their life that delayed them from going into God's promise, it was their heart condition. But generation, a generation had to pass until a new one was there, a Joshua generation. And this time they would cross over Jordan. And God would make a way for them. Similarly, similarly like he did for Moses. And this would be the time they entered into the promised land. The wilderness was a type of preparation a type of a cleansing, a type of a transformation time for them to get prepared to go into what God really had for them. But I want you to look at the years. 
Most theologians and most people would tell you it was about 1,406 years from the time they were in the promised land to the time of the Messiah. In that promised land, they received everything that God had for them. Everything. Much like us. When God first saved us and brought us out of sin, we find ourselves in the transition stage of having to make decisions of walking with God. And the more you delay making the decisions to follow after Christ, it becomes a wandering. For them, it was 40 years. But there comes a point where you cross over, cross over from the place of wondering what you're meant to do, wondering what God has for you, to knowing this is what God's called me to do, this is who I am, and this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the progressive walk of the Christian. But many of those years were found in the promised land before Jesus had to come and fix it. Because once again, they had everything necessary for them. They had a land that flowed with milk and honey. Yes, it had Philistines, Gittites, Jebusites, Canaanites. It had every enemy that was in front of them, restricting them, did not want them to succeed. Some that were manipulative, some that did not have their best interests, but they had to defeat them and had to overcome them and had to rid of their enemies in order for them to enjoy the blessings of God. This is the space in the Christian walk where you and I have to determine within our own hearts what we need to get rid of and what we need to embrace. Who we need to allow in our life, who we need to disallow. The things that we need to submit to, the things that we need to get free from. Decisions are made in this place because these types of enemies were the one thing, keep in mind, these types of enemies were there in the blessings. They weren't in the wilderness. They were in the blessings. And this is where many Christians, many Christians try to live for God and their promise without power. Simple instruction, but yet without power. And this is why Jesus came. And the chasm between the Messiah and the promised land was the old rugged cross. Up to this point, it was a heart issue, but Jesus came and dealt with the heart issue. And how he prepared the way for us to cross over from an old covenant or an old mindset, or for most of us Gentiles, from an old or, or a Jew, whatever your background is, from your past, there has to be a crossover to a new covenant in Christ Jesus where we're no more Greek, no more Jew, no more barbarian, no more rich, no more poor. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And Jesus set the example at his baptism and led the way for you and I 
So it wasn't the Red Sea. It wasn't a Jordan, which was part of baptisms. But Jesus himself said, I'm going to cross over first, just like the ark first crossed over the Jordan. I'm going to make a way first by leading by example and saying to John, John, baptize me. And John he rebuttals and says, no, Lord, you, you've got to baptize me. And Jesus said, so for it to be fitting for us for right now, it's, we got we to gotta fulfill all, all righteousness by being obedient. I, I must have you baptize me. It was an act of obedience. It was a simple act of surrendering his life. And listen to what it says. When he went down in the water, the clouds from the sky gave a voice. And everyone heard the voice of God say, this is my son. Did you know Egypt, Israel was called the first son of God? Israel was actually called the people that was considered God's first son. But where they failed, God has sent his only begotten son of his own nature, his own flesh, to undo what Israel failed at. Jesus was a type. And then this place right here, this is where God made a way to deal with the condition of our hearts. And the proof of crossing over for him, his ministry began after his baptism. And the evidence of where he lived, watch this now. All of these were spiritual examples of what was to come. On the other side of the cross, even after the death, but even before at his baptism of the place of denial, the Messiah for three years of the 33 years of his life gave proof of heaven. Miracles, healings, signs, wonders, the dead raised back to life, the multitude fed by a little boy's lunch. He walked on water. He cast out demons he took territorial dominion over regions and converted many people. He came toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Sanhedrin, and they couldn't outwit him, but they outwhipped him to a fault. And had they known who he was, they would have never shed the blood. But thank God, the blood was shed because now it made way for you and I. When you look at the life of Jesus, he truly was eating from the good of the land that God had promised. The spiritual connotation and the example of what God was trying to tell us from the Old Testament was this. There would come a day that we would have to cross over, but he would allow and make a way for all of us to cross over. And there is a place that you can live in now called the kingdom of God and being a son of God, a citizen of God's kingdom where everything that is available to us is from heaven. And Jesus has paid the price and he proved it by being the first fruits and by living and walking on this earth to prove that there was no demon that could stop him, that death could not stop him, Devils could not stop him. Lack of resource could not stop him. 
no one and nothing can stop him. He laid down his own life, and that's the example. But point number one, and the only point I'm giving you today is this. The sign of God's promise is the good of the land. That's the sign of God's promise and where we're at with our life. You'll know where you're at in stages. Some of you will know when you slip back into bondage or you're in bondage. There may be somebody here who's never given your life to the Lord. And maybe you are kind of skeptical because you hear stories on social media about pastors that have failed, about people that miss misappropriated the funds of the monies of the church. And maybe you got the impression that church is nothing more than a monopoly or a business or whatever it else. Can I, can I, can I just simply help somebody here and tell you, you better ask somebody. This is not that kind of church. This is a safe place. The Bible is true. You don't go and take our words for granted. What you really need to do is take the scriptures you get from here every week, take them home, research them, find out if we're telling the truth. But everything that's happening in this world doesn't pertain to everybody. There are still good churches in the world. There are still good pastors in the world. There are still good people that want to live right, do right. There are still people that don't want to have Egypt and and the promise still in their life. They're not in the wilderness. They want to cross over. There are still people that pray. There are still people that fast. There are still people that have consecrated themselves. There are still people like Jesus, who was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that still cast out demons, that still see deliverances, that still see miracles and signs and wonders, that still function in the goodness of the land. It is God's perfect will for you to eat the good of the land. Let me, let me give you something that came out of the era of the promised land for those over 1,400 years. The prophet Isaiah. Because during that time frame, their biggest challenge was it was they didn't know who they were. They know who they were. They just took it. They became complacent. They became comfortable. You can become comfortable in the blessings of God. You can become complacent in the blessings of God and stop pursuing God because all is well according to your measure. You know, good is the enemy of great. God never called us just to be good alone. God called us to greatness. You don't believe me. The scripture says, greater the work shall you do. He wanted us to exceed and excel just like you want your children after you to exceed and excel every goal, every limit that you had. We want all of our children to excel, don't we? Don't you want your children to do better than what you did? Don't you want your children to learn from your mistakes? I mean, I think this is the heart of a father. And so did God through Jesus Christ. He wanted the next generation of believers to exceed and do many, many signs and wonders and see people's lives change. Conversions take place. 
people give their lives to God, lives being transformed. These are the things that still happen, but also God still wants to bless his people. God still wants to bless his people. The word prosperity is all over the Bible, but we believe in a provisionary gospel. Our God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, but it is tied to your purpose. And knowing who you are and fulfilling your purpose. But the sign that follows the obedience of the surrender and the crossover is eating from the good of the land. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, he said it like this. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. This is their, the, the, the rewards of their, their, their disobedience. Israel was in a bad place. But listen how God speaks to the prophet and tries to help them. I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself. He's trying to help them. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil thing of your doing. And from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason Together, saith the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, though they be, and though they shall be white as snow. This is a prophecy. God's people are in a bad place, but he said there's coming a day. There's coming a day that I'm going to let you reason. Let's reason together. Let, let me reason. Let me help you. I want to help you. I want to be there for you. I, you know, God cares about us. God cares about every little thing that you find important. If it's important to you, it's important to God. You need to turn to somebody and tell them that. If it's important to you, it's important to God. Because some of us think God doesn't care because of all the bad things that happen. Can I tell you, the bad things in this world isn't God's doing. That's the devil's doing. That's the world's doing. But if you want to know the doings of God, cross over. God has something better. You got to determine that some point in your life, you're going to be all in all in and say, I'm crossing over. I don't care if no one else wants to follow me. It doesn't matter if they think I'm crazy. I'm going over. Though they are red like crimson, listen to this, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if you are willing, say it with me, willing and obedient, say, I shall eat the good of the land. To the natural Jew, it was the promised land. To the spiritual Jew, which is you and I, and for those of you that don't understand our heritage and who you really are as a child of God, you have a promised land, and God wants you to eat the good of that land. The kingdom of God 
is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. As long as it doesn't matter what you call it, God's Spirit is still being poured out. It's still real. It's still tangible. Oh, how many of you have tasted of the Lord and seen that He is good? We've had hundreds and hundreds of people here and around the nation that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to eat the good of the land. The transition for the Christian is this. Watch this. Look at this next slide. Here's the transition for the Christian. When God brought you and I out of our proverbial Egypt, this is where we lived off the flesh and the works of our flesh. You can't see them very well, but if you download my sermon notes on the app, you can print them out at home and read them better. We print them out. We put them on the app every Sunday for you to have at home. On the Egyptian side, on this side of the cross, is the physical works of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality. These are the things in our flesh. But I want you to look on the other side. The one area on the other side of the cross that will defeat that and conquer that to help you overcome that is the fruit of the Spirit called love. This is the crossing over. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 is where the crossover is at. This is the scripture that Jesus said, If any man follows me, let him take up his cross and come. He that decides to keep his life and save it will lose it, but he that loses his life will save it. In other words, selfishness will stop you from inheriting life. Because on this side of Egypt, it's pleasurable, convenient, but it kept us out of covenant. But God wants us to cross over, and this is where it happens. When you look at the further... The, the, the further columns on this, and you look at the rest of this, the spiritual side, the spiritual side of the works of the flesh is idolatry and witchcraft. This is what our world is facing right now. Your children are dealing with witchcraft. People in the church still try to dabble with it. I can't tell you how many times I have traveled around the nation and I have come up to people, didn't know them, they didn't know me, but God would tell me they're dealing, they're working and they're dabbling in witchcraft. And when I look at them in the eye and tell them only by the Spirit of God, I am absolutely nothing but just, you know, God speaks to everybody if you'll listen. And God will use you if you want to be used. But it requires surrender. And whenever you surrender to God and you go to somebody with a need and they want deliverance, the Spirit of God will help you define where they need help. And I can't tell you how many Wicca, witches and people I've come across around in Victoria, around the nation, and simply have had to tell them point blank, you got to stop messing around with witchcraft. Because that's why they were depressed. They think there's a blessing with it. It's superstition. They think they can wear a crystal and it bring a blessing and protection. It doesn't. It attracts demons. They get more depressed. 
They get more anxiety. They get more fear. I've seen it time and time again. But the counter to this and the promises that God has in the promised land is the fruit called faith. Having faith in God will eliminate that in your life to be dependent upon him. The faith of God in your life. There are relational boundaries that keeps us on the other side from crossing over like hatred, discord, jealousy, anger, self-ambition, factions and envy and, and dissensions and all of these things. But on the other side, when you cross over, it's the fruit of the spirit of peace, long suffering, goodness, meekness and gentleness that deal with every relational issue. These issues hinder us from receiving God's promises. But when you cross over and you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, forgive me, I renounce these works. I renounce every avenue that every devil has influenced me in. And you don't think that devils influence people? This is why the scripture says that he's the prince of the power of the air. And such were some of you. We were children of disobedience. But now we're children of obedience by the grace of God, saved by the blood of Jesus. So when you see bad happen in the world, it's not God. It's people that are living on this side of Egypt that are pleasuring themselves out of these emotions and feelings and lifestyles that's keeping them on this side. But there have been a remnant of people in the world, and there'll be much, much more before it's over, that God is going to bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you know you've crossed over? You've crossed over already. How many of you have tasted of the Lord and seen he is good? Somebody give me an amen right now. Come on, give me a, a Pentecostal shout or a, a Baptist nod or, 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 or a Methodist clap. Somebody give me something. And temperance is the last one that deals with an undisciplined life. Temperance is the last one. Mm. I'll let you look up the carousing, all of these things, drunkenness. But if you'll decide I'm going to cross over. See, what we, what we fall short is, is we think, oh, I got to give this up. And I can't give it up because I'm going to be ostracized. All of these works of the flesh from immorality and spirits and things that these are the works of the flesh. It's a dry place. I'm going to give you, it's going to be a little bit over your head maybe, but I'm going to give you a revelation. You want a little bit of a revelation? Raise your hand if you want it because I don't want to hear any complaints afterwards. Like, I didn't get that. That's the pastor Bobby, man. He's crazy. I'm not going back to that church. You don't know what he's saying. You know, back in the Garden of Eden when, when the Lord said to the serpent, all the days of your life now, you're going to eat from the dust of the earth. Dry places. Dry places. That's where demons go. Dry places. That's why in the parables, there was another type of this. And in that garden of Eden, he said to Adam, from the ground it will bring forth thorns and thistles. And you'll have to deal with those all the rest of your life. And work by the sweat of your brow for your bread of what you consume. 
That ground was defined by Jesus in a parable and said that this is the heart and this is the cares of this life. This is the world. This is the seed the enemy has stolen on stony ground. This is the heart condition. This was a type of the condition of the heart. And if you want to know why the devil uses people sometimes, he's not possessing people sometimes. You'll know when somebody's possessed. I'm just telling you, you'll know. But you're not possessed. You're being influenced because you're dry. And the devils around you, familiar spirits and everything else, are feasting off of those emotional things. You can be delivered from alcoholism, immorality, sexuality, immorality. I'm telling you, you can be delivered from all these things of their spirits. When you make up your mind, I'm crossing over. I have seen it. I have seen people delivered from addiction, from crack cocaine, alcoholism, pornography, homosexuality, drug dealing. I've seen it. Hatred, anger issues. I've seen it done. But only the cross can get you over. Here's what I'm going to close with right now. Here's what I'm going to close with. I want to show you something. Come on, Haley. I want to show you something. This is really interesting. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you have made up your mind, see, it's not about giving up things more than it is about giving in to Jesus. The first thing every new believer experiences is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay, what was the first thing the spies brought back from the promised land? Say it out loud. You know what it is. Fruit, right? They brought back fruit. And did you know when they entered into the promised land, listen to what Joshua said in chapter 5, verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the twilight of the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce, listen to this, they ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover in the new land. Unleavened bread, parched grain on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the good of the land of Canaan that year. What had happened was, there in their wilderness stage, manna was this there to sustain them had no flavor they didn't know what it was they called it what what is this <laughs> what is this stuff right it wasn't until they crossed over and the first thing they did was eat the produce in the land the promise and when they ate the produce 
God stopped giving them manna. If you're, the indication of where you're at with your walk with God is what you consume. What you consume. Their diet was different in Egypt than it was in the, in the wilderness. They ate things in the wilderness that didn't have much taste. Water and a bread they'd have no name for. When you're in transition and you can't make up your mind to live for God fully or just go halfway or you're double-minded in that way, you're not eating the good of the land. Your life is kind of bland. But the moment you cross over and start feasting in the Spirit and enjoying the presence of God and a relationship with Him through the fruits of the Spirit, that's when God ceases the fall of the mundane and the barely getting by spirit and begins to bless you with the good of the land. But you got to make up your mind. I've got to cross over. And this is what gives you the right standing with God. This is why the apostle Paul said, if you want to be used in the gifts, let me show you a more excellent way. And he talked about love, the fruit of the spirit. Because God's power flows through character. God will still use you even if you have have character flaws. That's another whole lesson. God can still use people if they have character flaws. But I'm telling you, to eat the good of the land is to consume the nature of Christ in your life. That's his character, his essence of who he is. And it's very simple. The love of God is the beginning of all the fruits of the Spirit. The love of God is the beginning of faith and peace and long-suffering and goodness and meekness and gentleness and temperance and joy. All of these things are there for you. Will you stand to your feet? Here's what I want to close with right here. 2024 is the year of crossing over. It's time for us to make up in our mind this year. Even right now, I'm crossing over into something new. I'm crossing over. I'm leaving old mindsets behind. I'm leaving the failures behind. I am leaving the bad relationships behind. I'm leaving my vulnerability back there to be susceptible to bad relationships. I am moving on. And from this point forward, I'm going to make up in my mind that this next year is the year of entering into the promise. And I'm going to see everything God has for me and 2024 because I decided that I'm not going to live in the wilderness anymore. I'm not going to be without flavor in my life. I am not going to be without God. I am not just going to be suffice to be sustained, but I am going to be blessed. Will you raise your hands here? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.